Christ, Father, for the healing of our bodies. Father, it's our responsibility to believe. Lord, we thank you that you've done the work, you've completed the work, Father. There's no work left to be done. And you've left it to mankind to believe in the work that you've done. Father, every aspect of your life, every aspect of Christianity is done in, in the exact same way. You've done all the work and you've presented the work to mankind for them to choose to believe. If they choose to not believe, Father, it doesn't change what you've done. It just limits their ability, Father, to receive from heaven. So, Lord, we thank you that we have a right and a privilege, Father, to believe. As we find in your word, Father, promises that have been given to your people, we choose, Father, to believe that those promises belong to us as part of our great inheritance from heaven. So, Lord, we thank you for these things. We praise you for them, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. He's good all the time. We thank the Lord for watching over us. Amen. And um, um, is it the Lord's will to heal? Uh, It is the Lord's will to heal. How often is it the Lord's will to heal? Every single time. Is there ever an exception where the Lord desires for you to remain sick? No, there's never, there's never a, a situation where the Lord in heaven is looking at our situation and says, you know, I would prefer that they remain sick uh, to teach them or to instruct them or to punish them or whatever uh, reason we might have. Uh, and um, in fact, uh, you know, as we're going through this book here, we're looking at uh, Dr. T.J. McCrossan's book on um, bodily healing and the atonement. And um, I'm looking at the next book after this. And, um, you know, I'm not going to find uh, a book that declares with a strong statement that it's always God's will to heal every single time without exception. It's actually fairly rare that you find that. Brother Hagin's book was that way. Uh, but uh, even his book, uh, you know, there's, I've seen a couple of things where uh, other people have edited his books and slipped in a few things in there, you know. And so, um, but uh, he never, pre- he always preached it was always God's will. Because why, why is it so? that's what the word says amen it's what the bible tells us uh, and so a lot of times what happens is people will look at circumstances they'll observe somebody else's life and they'll say well they're sick and they're a great wonderful child of god uh, love god go to church serve him faithfully and yet they're sick so therefore it must be god's will for them to remain sick or to be to become sick uh, and so it's uh, on occasion you'll find somebody in fact this fellow i was reading about just uh, just today, uh, he was pulled out some obscure verse out of the Old T- Testament that says that God desires for you to be sick, uh, and yet, uh, first of all, he's not dividing the word correctly. He didn't give a reference. You know, I'll, I will find it. I will hunt it down and find the reference that he gave, that he uses in there, and, find, and read the context of that verse to find out what it's actually saying. Uh, and so, the the point of that that I'm saying is that. Uh, many years ago, the Lord impressed me that it, it would be good to review the writings of, of other ministers about healing uh, and to obtain from them the revelation that God gave to them about healing. It's to our advantage to add their faith to our faith. But on occasion, you have to stumble through where they are not um, writing the truth, right? Where they have slipped in a few experiences of their own uh, and, but I think that's good because we get to observe and to see why people believe that God doesn't heal. Uh, and, and so, uh, of course, and we correct it to line up with the word of God. 
Not that we're, we're saying that we're better than other people, but you know, a lot of these books, like this book, in fact, that we're studying right now, was written in 1930. This edition was written in 1930. Well, that's nearly 100 years ago. We've learned a lot in the church about faith in the last 100 years. Amen? Uh, and, uh, and so it's good to uh, review the things that, uh, that people write. Uh, I think part of it is it seems for some people for it to be a fanatical idea that God desires to heal every sing- single time without uh, exception. They, they think that's a fanaticism, right? Like it's, like it's extreme, like it's occultism almost, you know, that level of, of concern. Uh, and it's not fanatical at all. It's just simply what the Word says. Uh, and, um, you know, as we read the Word of God and, and see, you know, I, I, to me, the best, the best indication of the will of God for healing is to look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, I came to do thy will, O God. Uh, and the Bible tells of Jesus that he is an exact replica of what we see in heaven. Uh, he is the image and likeness of God on the earth. Uh, and he came to express the will of God on the earth. Well, if that's true, and I, think, you know, I don't think anybody would actually argue that case that it's true. If that's true, then uh, you would think that if, it's, if there's a doctrine that God in heaven wants you to be sick, that at least one time Jesus would have said, you know, uh, you're fine right now. I'm going to put some sickness on you. All you Pharisees, you sorry people, you keep sinning against me. Uh, hex on you, right? And then they suddenly become a leper, or, you know, uh, death to you. And they suddenly, you know, get a lung disease. Uh, at least one time, Jesus would have corrected somebody with sickness. Just once, right? It wouldn't have taken three or four times. It's just once at least to, to kind of uh, uh, dispel the idea that, that uh, God really wants to heal every time. And yet, how many times did Jesus do that? None. He never, he never put a, uh, a curse of sickness on anybody. He never put a curse on anybody in particular either, but he never put a curse of sickness on anybody at all. Uh, in fact, the other aspect of the will of God in that is how, uh, of all the people, and, and we, know, uh, we don't know the names of everybody because oftentimes he would just say multitudes. Well, according to the scriptures, multitudes are thousands of people. Right? If you look at the other examples when they talked about numbers of people, they would say it was a great multitude, and they would say there was uh, 5,000 men, not including women and children. Uh, and, of course, being a good Jewish family, they would typically have multiple children, right? And so that could have been 5,000 men plus 5,000 women because, you know, it was very, uh, very common for the Jewish society to get married as soon as they can. In fact, young, right? Uh, under the 20 years of, old, of age, you know, in our society, we tend to get married a little bit older than that. Uh, and, uh, and so... And then they would have lots of children. So there could have been 10,000 with men and uh, women. Could have been 15,000 with just one child. Could have been 20,000 with two children, right? So there could have been 10, 20, 30,000 people in some of these meetings that Jesus was, was there. Uh, and it says everyone that came to him left how? Everyone that came to him sick left how? Healed. healed. Everyone that came to Jesus left healed. Now, uh, that tells you something. So if you go to Jesus, what should your expectation be when you leave the presence of the Lord in prayer. You should be able to leave healed. If everybody else did that, thousands of thousands of people, every single, no, there's no exceptions. Everyone who ever came to Jesus sick left healed. Uh, and if that's true, and it's just demonstrably true, you can read the scriptures for yourself. You can read the four gospels, you know. Uh, it won't take you that long to read all four of them. Uh, you can, uh, you, if you can prove me wrong, it's fine, but I've read the gospels many times, you know, and you're not going to prove me wrong. And that, not that it's a contest or anything. I have no, 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 uh, 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 reputation to uphold there, uh, but I know what the word says. And so, uh, but then you look at the other side of it, 
The other side uh, is interesting to review as well. Uh, when Jesus would walk through uh, places, uh, for example, at the Pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, it says there was multitudes there. Uh, and Jesus went to a single man and, uh, and healed him. Uh, how many of the, the other people that Jesus walked by got healed? None. So everybody that came to Jesus and requested healing left healed. But then people that, that weren't requesting anything, he'd walk by and they wouldn't ask for anything. He'd just keep on going many times. Amen. Now, sometimes he'd be walking down the highway and there's an example where, where the blind men would, would holler out. Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Uh, and he would stop. And so, you know, as he was walking by some people, they would see Jesus and, and they would, would cry out to Jesus. So it wasn't like he was having a meeting and they just went to the meeting like everybody else did and they left healed. He was walking from point A to point B uh, and wasn't planning on ministering to anybody. And people accosted him and, and cried out to him and requested healing. And when they did that, how many of them left healed? Every single one of them, right? Everyone who ever cried out to Jesus left healed. Uh, and so, so what happens a lot of times is the church will say something like, well, if it's God's will, he'll heal me. Well, that's all the other people at the Pool of Bethesda besides the one man waiting for Jesus to come to them. And yet Jesus didn't go to everybody. I mean, he, he only operated, if you look at his ministry, he operated geographically a very small area, even of Israel, a very small area of Israel. Uh, and, and in that area... Everybody came to him was healed, but he never went to, you know, the, the outskirts of uh, Jerusalem down on 32nd and, and, and 5th Avenue. Uh, I don't know if there is a 32nd, 5th Avenue, but he didn't go everywhere, right? There, he didn't go to every single block of Israel uh, and, and look out for people to, to heal them. Uh, and so, uh, why, well, why not? Well, he was limited, right? He, he couldn't be, he wasn't, uh, although he was God, he didn't operate as God in the sense of being everywhere at the same time. And so he, would, he, was only, he was only wherever he was at. I don't know, it's pretty deep right there, right? So if he was on, you know, Sycamore Street, then he wasn't on Elm Street, amen? So, so people on Elm Street, they would have to come over to Sycamore Street to get healed. If they stayed there and waited for Jesus to come to them, he might never get around to them. Well, even today, faith expects us to go to God with, the, with his promises in our hand and say, Lord, you promised this. I would like to receive this, whatever the promise is. And of course, in this class, we're talking specifically about healing. Uh, and so uh, it's not really a difficult subject, although people make it difficult, right? People have made it uh, incredibly complicated. Uh, and it's not. It's really simple. God desires you to be well every time, and there's no exceptions. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes our lives and choices hinder his ability to heal us. And so he will tell us, hey, what you're doing there is hindering my ability to heal you. If you will repent and ask for me for, for forgiveness, I will heal you. Sometimes it's not due to sin, it's due to a lack of understanding. We'll say something like, Lord, if it's your will, please heal me. Well, the, that's not a statement of faith, right? Because a statement of faith is, I know what the Word of God says, and I'm here with a promise, and I'm asking you to receive this promise. Uh, when you say, if it be thy will, that's you taking the promise of God and saying, Lord, I know you promised this, but I don't know if you want to do it or not. If you want to do it, that'd be great. If you're not, then, then, well, that's not faith, right? If I told you, you know, I'll give you $100 if you show up tomorrow, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, you go around town, well, I don't, I, I don't know if he's going to do it or not. You know, I, I'm not even going to show up because he probably won't do it. Well, there's no faith in that, you know. Uh, uh, you know, if you knew me, you would show up, right? Anybody knows me, if I tell you I'm giving you $100 tomorrow, 
you'd show up because I'd give you $100, right? I mean, the earth would have to stop spinning for that not to happen. Uh, and so, uh, so, and that's the way the Lord works, amen? He's, he expresses his will through his word. Our job is to take that promise and to go back to him and say, Lord, I see your promise because that's exactly how you got saved, right? There's a promise in the word of God that everybody that comes to him can get saved. But how many people just don't go to him? Well, about, uh, you know, seven-tenths of, of the... Uh, of the earth does not go to has not gone to the Lord Jesus yet uh, and so so anyway you know, at, you know all that to be said that it's always God's will to heal amen uh, and um, uh, and of course we've been uh, teaching uh, healing school since uh, January of 2015 we're coming up on January of 2024 not quite there yet so uh, we will uh, on the first Sunday of January we'll, we will have completed nine years uh, of uh, uh, of healing school, we will begin our 10th year of healing school in January of 2024. Uh, and so, and we have gone through every single, there's 80, 82, 83 uh, cases of healing in the scriptures. We went through, we've gone through every single one of them, looked at them in detail uh, and learned that, yes, it's always God's will to heal. Uh, and we went through all zero accounts where God said, I desire you to be sick and, and studied all zero of those counts, right? Because there are no accounts of that. Um, and so, um, so uh, in Dr. McCrossin's book, uh, he, uh, it's kind of an odd little book because it's not chapters. He, he, he broke it up into divisions. And then to make it more complicated, he, div- he divided the divisions up into regions. Uh, and so, uh, because being a doctor, you're required to make things complicated, right? Uh, and so that's the law, right? If you're a doctor of anything, you've got to make things complicated, right? Uh, and so... Uh, he, this, the first division is six great reasons why uh, Christians should uh, accept Jesus uh, as their healer. Uh, and so um, we're in reason number three. So we've gone for th- through the first three reasons. We won't go back and rehash all those. Uh, but uh, uh, reason number three is that sickness is the result of Satan's work. Well, is that a true statement? Because some, see, some people say, well, God made me sick. Well, if that's true, then sickness is not uh, just the result of Satan's work. Sickness could be the result of God's work, uh, but that can't hardly be so, amen, because we'll see here uh, what he says in the word of God. So uh, uh, it's, you know, it's not a problem asking a question, you know, does God make people sick? That's, you know, people sometimes are afraid to ask questions. You shouldn't be afraid to ask questions, but be willing to find the answer, amen? A lot of times people will say, will ask the question, is it God's will for people to be sick? And they'll do this right here. They go, hmm, well, you know, uh, Aunt Susie Q, she was sick. She was a nice person, you know. Uh, well, you know, un- Uncle Bob, you know, he was a good person, but he was sick, you know. Well, I guess it's God's will to be sick sometimes. Well, that's a terrible way to answer a question of, about God's will and plan on the earth uh, is through our own mentality. The best way is, well, let's find out what the Bible says because that's the only sure God we have, amen? Our philosophies and ideas are not a sure guide about anything. The only sure guide is the Word of God, Amen. Uh, and so let's turn to, uh, back to Acts uh, chapter 10. I think we, had, uh, were, we were sneaking up on this verse last week uh, when we got to uh, Peter and his visions. Um, and uh, and it we'll fast forward after he had the visions that the Lord said, uh, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Because uh, he said, uh, uh, we'll just read a little bit here in Acts chapter 10, verse uh, 12. It says, um, well, in verse 11... Okay, we'll start in verse 10. How's that? Uh, and he became very hungry and would have eaten. And, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him 
as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Uh, and so uh, basically everything in this sheet were things that the Jewish law said you're not supposed to eat. Uh, and so they have, a, if you go back to the Old Covenant and look through the, through, uh, the books of the law, uh, primarily the first five books of the Bible, in this case, really from uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, primarily those three books are where the law, as far as the, uh, there's, I think, 600 and something Jewish laws that they're required to keep. Sounds exhausting to me, you know. Uh, the Lord knew that we weren't smart enough to keep up with all 600 and something laws, so in the New Testament, he said there's only one law, law of love. And some people are like, That's too, is there a shorter list than one? Right? Can, we, can we have less than one? Uh, you know, I mean, the 600 is long, right? And then the Lord said, okay, how about one? And it's like, uh, can you do better than that, Lord? I mean, that, that seems like a lot to do one, one law. Uh, but, um, so, uh, but we know that this is a type, right? The Lord is using this as an example of, of Peter's reaction to things that, uh, that his own religious idea said don't do uh, was repulsive to him. And he said, nay, Lord. Uh, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the Lord did this three times to Peter. Why? Because we're, as human beings, we're kind of slow. So he has to repeat himself slowly, right? Let me explain it to you one more time, Peter. And so he did it three times. Uh, and Peter didn't really know what it meant, but what the Lord was showing him is that I'm going to bring you into the house of Gentiles. Now, now this is in Acts chapter 10. You remember, uh, Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, that after you receive power from, from the Spirit of God, uh, uh, after you're due to the power from on high, he said, then you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, which is where they were, and Judea, which is the outer skirts of Jerusalem, and in Samaria, which is a little further north from, from Jerusalem, uh, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, where is the uttermost parts of the earth? Everywhere else, right? I mean, it basically covers every area. He said, you're going to be witnesses to me everywhere. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, they hadn't made it... Uh, hardly a block away from the house. Uh, they're still in Jerusalem right now. Actually, Peter is, is, in, um, uh, is in Joppa, I think, where, uh, somewhere around here. Uh, yeah, he's in Joppa, uh, which I'm not sure exactly where Joppa is, but I'm sure it's fairly close to Jerusalem. Uh, and so uh, the Lord had, had prophesied them, you need to go everywhere and preach the gospel. And they hadn't done it because even now they're like, well, uh, you know, I heard, I heard a Jewish person uh, just recently say, you know, uh, Judaism is not a uh, proselytizing religion, which means Jews aren't, uh, by their nature, they're not trying to get other people to become Jews, right? They, they, don't, want other, they don't really want other people. They can, right? Uh, if you go through the, uh, through the Old Covenant, through the, through the testimony of, of the Law of Moses, uh, people outside of Judaism can come in by choice if they want to. Now, I don't know what, uh, what uh, present-day Jews... Uh, especially Orthodox Jews, what they think of that, if they, if they are okay with that or if they're not okay with that. I mean, the Word of God says he's okay with that, right? They have to come in, they have to sacrifice, they have to declare that Jehovah is God. Uh, and, and the Bible says if they do that, then they're under the same law as a Jewish person, right? No difference. Uh, and so they can become, but, then, but there's, no, there's no Old Testament uh, commandment to go out and proselytize. Proselytize just means bring people into the same fold that you're in, right? Bring them into the, into the same religion that you're in. 
And so you don't see Jews on the corner, you know, reading out of the book of Deuteronomy, right? You don't see Jews as missionaries. You, you just don't see them that way because in their, uh, in their um, uh, commandments, they don't have that commandment. But Jesus, the, the Christian church, is a proselytizing uh, religion, right? We want to increase the ranks of heaven. Uh, and, and Jesus told the church to do that. So that was a new, that was a new concept to the church. And so since it was new, they were slow in doing it, right? This is at least 10 years from when Jesus said it. You know, I mean, if, if it's 10 minutes, okay, we'll let you slide. It's 10 years. You still haven't got the, you still haven't got the, the idea yet. Uh, but see, for them, it was a really odd, it was a really odd change of course and direction. They had never tried to go outside of the, the nation of Israel and try to bring people in, or even outside of the ranks of, of the Jews and try to bring people in. That was very new information. Uh, but see, uh, if the Jews could ever step back and look at what's the plan of God for all eternity? The plan of God was to protect a small group of people to, to, to uh, contain and protect the covenant of God uh, and the laws of God uh, and the prophecies of God until the Messiah came into the earth and then they could dispel, uh, disperse that to all of the world. And that was really the plan that, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't want you going out to other people because you're not born again yet. You don't have the ability to resist the other nations and their, their crazy religions. Uh, but at some point in time, I'm going to put my spirit in your heart. And then, then you'll be strong enough to resist that and to be able to be a witness to me outside of the ranks of, of uh, Judaism. Uh, and then I want you to go everywhere and tell everybody about me. Uh, well, they'd gotten settled in their in little, little rut. Well, we like the rut. We don't want to go out. You know, we don't want to do these things. And so, and yet at this point in time, there's tens of thousands of people at a true church of Jerusalem. You know, Paul was just saved in, in chapter nine. So he hadn't done much yet, but he was out preaching already immediately uh, to all kinds of people and, and uh, really got the Jews all nervous about things. Uh, and so, so the Lord w- was giving Peter a vision that I need you to expand to everywhere. And Peter's like, no, no, Lord, I can't do that. But it, it was, it was uh, the Lord oftentimes will use uh, a type of one thing to show you that it's really for something else. And so he didn't understand this until Cornelius, who was a Gentile, not a Jew, showed up at his doorstep and knocked. And said, hey, actually it was people that he sent there, not Cornelius himself. So I need you to, uh, the Lord, an angel appeared to us and said, we need to find you so you can preach the words uh, of Jesus to us. Uh, and, and Peter's like, well, that kind of sounds like the vision I just had. So let's go, boys. Uh, and so that's what he's doing right here. He's preaching to the Gentiles here in Acts chapter 10, which was rare for Peter to do. Uh, in fact, he never did it up until this point in time. He did it in general at the, at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, where there's people everywhere right after they got uh, saved, right, right after they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but after that, really uh, no ministry to the Gentile world until this point in time. And so now, so, so he's, he's preaching to Gentiles. And so the, uh, you should read the whole thing. We're not going to, but you should read this whole uh, message that Peter preached to him. It's really a great message uh, to the Gentiles. Uh, and it was, news to, it was news to the other Jews that, you mean you could preach to a Gentile and they could receive the Holy Spirit? And the other Jews uh, were like, what? Uh, and Peter's like, I mean, uh, they started speaking in tongues like we are. I guess they can get saved like we can. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that, and that's part of the reason why the Lord gave 
the supernatural evidence of speaking with other tongues, especially at the early church, because the only way you could technically receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues is if you were first born again, if you had first received Jesus as your Savior. Because the only, the only way that you can receive the Holy Spirit is if your spirit is born again. So a, a, a person who is not born again, their spirit at that point in time is not alive unto God, right? There's no life of God in it. And so it's unqualified to receive the Holy Spirit. And so the order of mankind is a man must be born again. His spirit must be reborn. Uh, and you can't tell on the outside that anything changes, but on the inside you get, you get reborn. Now your spirit is perfect unto God and it's qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. And, and that, that difference is, is really lost even on a lot of the church. Uh, they, they, a lot of times they mix and match up things and it doesn't make any sense. It, it's very clear the plan of God that he always wanted to get the Spirit of God in mankind. He said that in, in Galatians 3.14. Uh, and so, but in, in order to do that, he had to, he had to qualify man, get man in a position where he could receive a perfect and holy spirit. Well, he couldn't do that because his spirit was no longer alive unto God. And so the Lord had to start backing up. And we've talked about that before that, okay, well, in order to receive the spirit of God, you must be born again. All right. Well, to be born again, then we've got to take care of the sin problem. Well, to take care of the sin problem, we've got to uh, have blood to be shed, right? Because Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And, 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 and okay, well, to do that, then uh, we need to have uh, a sacrifice that's better than bulls and goats because we, we want to do this one time and not do it again. So uh, uh, then we've got to back up. Then how do we get a, a uh, perfect sacrifice into the earth? Well, that's got to be Jesus. Well, then how, we, how do we do that? Well, we've got to get a bloodline. Well, how do we do that? Well, we've got to start at, Ab- at Adam and work our way up to it. And so God kept backing it up. That's why it took thousands of years uh, for, for redemption to occur because it took that long for the Lord to get everything set up correctly. Uh, and then finally he was able to do that. And then all the dominoes started falling. He took care of the sin problem on the cross. Uh, he took care of redemption at the cross. Uh, then he uh, allowed mankind to receive uh, salvation, receive him as their savior. Uh, and he told Nicodemus in John chapter three that a man must be born again. Uh, and then uh, when he said born again, he's talking about your spirit man. So your spirit man is born again. He gave us the, the parable in Mark chapter two about the, the new wine and the wineskins. He said, you can't put... He said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. He said, otherwise it'll burst, right? Uh, and, and, of course, I'm not a wine. Anybody drink wine out of, out of uh, animal skins? I don't drink wine at all, right? So, but if you did, right, which I would encourage you don't do, but if you did do that, uh, then, uh, you know, if you were filling that back up, you wouldn't put new wine into an old wineskin because new wine still hasn't finished fermenting and it's got a lot of uh, acidity in it. Uh, and what happens is uh, that wineskin will, will absorb a lot of the acidity. Uh, and so if it's new wineskin, it can absorb a lot of the acidity, it'd be fine. But if you take an old wineskin that's already been uh, exposed to new wine, uh, it, it can't absorb any more of that acidity, so that acidity in, in that wine will burst that new wineskin. Well, was Jesus trying to tell the winemakers how to, make, how to actually get good wine into the earth? No, he was telling us about humanity, that humanity uh, is uh, in their state as, uh, as adults, that they are old wineskins, right? They're, there's no life in them. And, and, and he was using new wine as a type of the Holy Spirit. He said, look, if I put 
I can't put my Holy Spirit into that old wineskin because it's not, it's not designed to handle that new wine. Uh, and so what I have to first do is I have to first make the wineskin new. So what's he talking about? He's talking about that you must be born again. And once you're born again, your spirit's made brand new. It has the life of God in it. So now the Holy Spirit is, has, a, has a new wineskin to be poured into. Uh, and he can put that, that new wine into that uh, new wineskin. So, you know, and if you follow that, that concept, it's consistent through the entire Bible, from Genesis to the book of Revelation, about God's plan for mankind always was to get them born again and get the Spirit of God in them. And that was always, uh, always his plan. And his, the plan was for everybody. And he had to set aside a small group of people who are willing to, to uh, protect the, the covenant of God long enough to fulfill all the promises and get Jesus into the earth to become the ultimate sacrifice for all mankind. And so that, and that's the entire Bible right there, right? Uh, we just went through the entire Bible in like five minutes, right? Uh, and so, but that plan is consistent throughout the word of God. Uh, and so now Peter is finally preaching to the Gentiles and, and, and he's really, even, even this whole time, Peter's like, he, he just, he's a pastor on the bus. He doesn't know if he's even what he's doing is right. He doesn't know if he, what he's doing is wrong. He just assumed that, well, God gave me this vision. It seems like it's kind of, so I'm just going to go along with the, uh, with the flow here. Other times, Peter supernaturally knew things and was boldly went and, and did things, right? At the, uh, at the day of Pentecost, he stood up and boldly preached. Here, he's kind of like, you know, I don't really know. We'll see. You know, maybe we'll all get struck dead here in a second. Uh, and, and so, uh, uh, and, and of course, that's in chapter 10 and chapter 11. He comes back and all the people at Jerusalem are like, oh, I can't believe you did that. It's like, look, I mean, God gave me this vision. I wasn't sure about it, but I went anyway. And uh, they started speaking in tongues. So uh, I, guess, I guess it's okay. Right? And, and so it was still very controversial, even in Acts chapter 10. Uh, and it, it, it actually, until they got to Acts chapter 15, uh, by that time, Paul's been out preaching. Uh, and uh, uh, there's, still, there's still a lot of controversy People are like, well, Paul's saying we don't have to murder animals anymore. Uh, and so they had a big powwow at Jerusalem in Acts 15. Uh, and and uh, all the powers that be, James was there, you know, and, and the other apostles were there. Uh, and um, like, well, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, be circumcised, you know, to be part of, uh, part of our group anymore. Uh, but don't eat, don't, uh, eat uh, things offered to idols uh, and a bunch of other things, you know. Paul's like, I'll tell him that. It's not really true, but I'll, I'll tell him what you said anyway. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll make peace there. So, so uh, Peter is preaching to the Gentiles here. Uh, and, and he says uh, in verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. <laughs> well, you know, this is new information to Peter. When he said this, he didn't know this in Acts chapter 1. He found this out at the beginning of Acts chapter 10. God is no respect of persons. He thought up until Acts chapter 10 that God was still a respect of persons, that only Jews could be part of the covenant of Israel or the covenant of God. He said, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And this is, this is the word how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Uh, and so if you notice, uh, uh, 
Acts 10, 38, it includes the entire Godhead, right? The whole Trinity. How God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now notice he didn't say Jesus the Messiah or Jesus Christ. The word Christ means Messiah. Uh, he said Jesus of what? Nazareth, right? So, you know, the Christ, uh, the word Christ means the anointed one. Well, you know, you don't need to be anointed if you're already anointed. And so he's just bringing out the, the idea here that Jesus came to the earth without anointing, uh, and he had to have anointing put upon him. Uh, and so he said he was anointed with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and so you got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all covered in, in this one verse here. And what did God anoint uh, Jesus with? Uh, with the Holy Ghost and with what? Power. Power, right? And to anoint means to pour upon, right? Uh, and that's what uh, the Holy Spirit did upon Jesus was he was poured upon Jesus and with power, that word power there, there's two primary words for power in the English translation. One uh, means authority, uh, and one means supernatural miracle working power. This particular word here uh, is the Greek word for supernatural miracle working power. God anointed Jesus with supernatural miracle working power of God. Uh, and so, uh, who went about doing good? All right, so what, what good things did Jesus do? Uh, he he said he went about doing good and healing how many? All that were oppressed of the devil, right? Uh, for God was with him. So uh, we, we begin to see here that then healing is a good thing, right? Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So is healing a good thing? That's what it says, right? Doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Uh, and then also... Um, well, we'll just define the word oppressed there, those who are oppressed of the devil. Uh, the word oppressed means to dominate or exercise lordship over. And, and people that, that uh, now in the context of what he's talking about, healing all those who are oppressed of the devil, then, then what are people healed from? Sickness, right? Are they healed from uh, bad grades in school? No, that's not a thing, right? Uh, you might be having bad grades in school, but then you don't get healed from that. You know, you might get uh, trained or educated out of that but you don't get healed from it. You get healed from sickness, amen? So, so if you're healed from sickness, then he said sickness is an oppression of the devil. So does it say heal, uh, and, and healing all that were oppressed of God the Father for doing things wrong? No, it, it says they were uh, healed. So uh, uh, everywhere when Jesus was healing, everyone that he was healing, which is everyone that e either came to him or on occasion when he would go to them, uh, and there was thousands, right? Tens of thousands of people that were healed under the ministry of Jesus, not just five or six. There was tens of thousands of people healed under the ministry of Jesus. He said all of them were oppressed of the devil. None of them were sick by the will of God. None of them were sick by the desire of heaven. All of them were oppressed of the devil. So it's the enemy of mankind, the devil, that puts sickness on, on people, not God. And yet in the church, if you just go ask, you know, uh, go, go get a random uh, collection of 100 Christians from all, all uh, backgrounds, all different types of churches. And you made a poll. Uh, if somebody's sick, what's the likelihood that they're sick because uh, God the Father uh, needs, them to, needs to teach them something? You know, some, some question like that. You'd get probably more than half. Would be, yeah, that, that could happen. Uh, and yet, that's the furthest thing from the truth because it says right there that every single one of them were being oppressed, not of God, the Father, oppressed and, and lorded over, dominated by the enemy of mankind, the devil. Uh, and so uh, that's why 
this verse is such a powerful verse because it includes the entire Trinity. It shows that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus did his work uh, and who was sick uh, and what thing is a good thing. So, so healing was the good thing, right? Because he said doing good and healing. So some people say, well, I'm sick. That shows the goodness of God, that he loves me. Is that what that verse says? No, the, the verse that would contradict this verse, right? You can't have uh, things one way in the scriptures and another way in another part of the scriptures. The only way that the scriptures work, if you look at the whole counsel of God, everything has to be consistent. There are, there, uh, I was talking to somebody one time. They said, well, you know, there's a lot of inconsistencies and contradictions in the word of God. And usually I just let people go, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I have no, 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 uh, uh, no drive to correct people. But in that moment, I said, no, there's not. There are no inconsistencies in Scripture. I said, there may be things people don't understand and don't know how to reconcile with the whole Word of God. That's true. And so what, what people will do, will go, they'll, they'll look at this verse, and even though it's absolute, right? Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So, so all the healing that he did was oppression of the devil. They go, well, it, it's not all that were oppressed of the devil. Well, it says all that were oppressed of the devil, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Is that what it says? That's what it says, right? Well, it doesn't mean all. Well, it says all. Well, yeah, but it can't be all because I don't believe it's all. Well, that that's maybe true that you don't believe it's all, but I didn't write it. My job is to say all, read all and go, oh, I guess it's all. I guess all that were oppressed, right? Uh, see, if we are humble students of the word, when we get to a verse like this and he says all, then, then our response should be, oh, uh, all means all. You know, if you look up the definition of all, you know what it means? All. Mm-hmm. You know, you never, you never find any dictionary. All means like uh, uh, 60, 40. Mm-hmm. All means like all the time except when it's not. Yeah, well, but that doesn't make any sense, right? It's every single time except when it's not. Well, that wouldn't be all. That would be some of the time, amen? If it said that how uh, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power uh, and healing most that were oppressed of the devil... Well, then, okay, we've got, a, we've got an out, right? We can squeeze in sometimes, maybe, that God does desire people to be sick. That's not what it says, right? It says that uh, Jesus was doing good, and a good thing was healing. Uh, and yet, how many times did the Pharisees get mad at Jesus for healing people? How dare you heal on the Sabbath? Uh, many times, right? Uh, and for them, it was a bad thing to heal. Well, in, what, in what universe is it bad to help somebody who's feeling bad, who's sick, right? The, the woman bowed bow over for 18 years um, uh, and Jesus heals her. How is that a bad thing? He said, you know, you wouldn't even treat your ox that way. And, and a lot of people treat their pets better than they treat hum- humanity, right? Uh, heaven forbid we, we mistreat a pet, but you can mistreat a human and get by with it, right? Uh, and so we don't want to mistreat either one of them, amen? Uh, and so, so uh, every sickness... Is the, re, is the result of the work of Satan, uh, either directly uh, or it could be uh, indirectly, right? And so the thing that, uh, as, and of course we've gone through this many times over the years, but uh, when Adam sinned, he introduced uh, death and sin into the earth. And, and what is a primary way that death comes upon humanity? Through sickness and disease, right? Uh, you know, he doesn't, he, uh, when it says that uh, in, in Romans chapter 5 that, that by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, uh, he wasn't talking about the, the, the devil is, uh, is assassinating people, right? Hiding behind uh, uh, walls and, and using a, a, um, a long rifle to shoot people and, and to assassinate them. He, he gets him with sickness and disease because death 
is, is uh, in fact, I like what, uh, um, uh, what Dr. Yeoman said. She said that uh, death is, is uh, sickness is death begun. Uh, because all sickness, if your body didn't have a natural immunity, uh, every germ would kill you uh, eventually, right? Because there'd be no way, because right now, if you, if you just walk by and a germ jumps on you just because there's sin in the world, and you, maybe you're not doing anything, but, you know, you can be walking by somewhere and, you know, touch a doorknob. You know, people, what they call them germaphobes, right? They're afraid to touch anything. Well, just touching something, because, you know, your skin is, is a good, it's, it's like a diving suit, right? Sickness can't get through, just normally, sickness can't get through your skin, right? You've got to touch some other part of your body and, and transfer that germ to there. So, I mean, you know, uh, touching things is not the way to get sick. If you touch something that, that has germs on it, you know, go wash your hands and you'll be fine, right? If you go touch something that's got germs on it, and then you lick your hand, you're going to uh, get the germ inside your body, right? So that's, don't lick your hand after you touch the doorknob, right? Uh, uh, and if you're licking your hand anyway, you probably need some other things to deal with around your life, right? And so, who's, anybody licking their hand? I mean, you're an adult. You don't suck your thumb anymore, do you? Uh, and so, uh, we need to move on past that. But, uh, uh, and so, so, death, the death that, that Adam allowed into the earth is what brought sickness into the earth. God didn't put it there. There was no sickness on the earth until Adam allowed death into the earth. Uh, and uh, the devil was looking around. Well, how, well I, I'm death, but how do I kill these people? You know, it took them over 900 years to, to, to figure out how to kill Adam. Yeah, if you look at the, the history of the patriarchs, uh, uh, after Adam sinned, he still lived to be over 900 years old. Uh, and so the devil's like, yeah, that didn't work. Uh, man, this body's really hard to kill. Uh, well, let's try this sickness. Well, that didn't work. Their body just normally rejected it. Let's try something else. You want to? Uh, and eventually he got it to where he could kill mankind, you know, after, after a few decades, right? If, outside of faith, of course. Uh, and so uh, it, took, it took him uh, centuries in order to do, to do that, to figure out how to do that. Uh, and so Acts 10.38 is a good summary verse that kind of covers God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus operate? He was anointed by God, so he didn't operate as, as the divine uh, Godhead on the earth. He, he operated as a man of Nazareth, right? Jesus of Nazareth, anointed by uh, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he used that power of the Holy Spirit to do good. And he said a good thing is to heal people. Is, it, is any of that wrong? Is any of that uh, misapplied? I mean, is that the simple reading of that word? I mean, that's, simple, that's a simple reading of that verse, right? It's not, it's not a complicated verse. <clears throat> And really the only way that you can get around the verse is if you make it complicated. Well, you know, uh, sometimes a good thing is when you're sick. Uh, in, in what realm, anybody ever get sick go, man, I'm so happy. Anybody ever got excited for getting sick? Anybody ever said, man, uh, God's going to teach me so much, <clears throat> I can't wait to get sick. Uh, uh, it, you know, there's counseling for that, right? There's therapy for, for people who think that way, right? Uh, and so, uh, now let's read the Word of God in a simple form, and go, if that's what it says, then that's what I choose to believe. If every sickness is ultimately from the devil, then that's what I, cho- that's what I choose to believe. And yet, uh, and, uh, how many funerals you all been to? I've been to lots of funerals, right? Uh, and, um, uh, of course, I'm preaching a lot of funerals now. You know, the nice thing about me preaching funerals is you don't hear any dumb things, right? Uh, but, uh, but you go to some funerals and they go, well, God took them, right? Uh, God needed them in heaven. And so he murdered them with lung cancer. They don't say it that way, but that's what they say, right? That's what they imply. Well, God took them. God's not taking people. Mm-hmm. Death is not, death is called an enemy. Amen? Mm-hmm. 
It is not a, a, an, an act of God. Uh, the act of God is to keep you alive to complete his will on the earth. Uh, and yet uh, uh, they have no book, chapter, and verse for that, that God took them, right? That God's murdering them with, with sickness and disease. They can mention Enoch, but Enoch didn't leave sick and disease. He just slipped out in the spirit realm and never came back. Uh, and so uh, let's read one more verse here. And we'll probably have to go in Hebrews chapter 2. <clears throat> we'll see how many we can read here. Uh, he said um, in verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, so we are the children of God, right? Uh, we are partakers of the flesh and blood of Jesus. So, uh, uh, and, the, and we do that. You remember, we receive communion today, right? So receiving communion uh, reminds us that we had partaken of the flesh and blood of Jesus. He also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. Uh, now, this particular word power uh, means dominion. So uh, sometimes, uh, most of the time, it either means authority or supernatural miracle working power. This particular one means uh, dominion. Uh, and so uh, that he might destroy. Well, who has the power of death? Who has the dominion of death? The devil does, right? Is he, uh, does God have, the, uh, have uh, the dominion of death? No, God is not the, the, the one who dominates with death. The devil is the one who dominates with death. Because otherwise, then Jesus is saying, they're saying that Jesus destroyed him, the, uh, God, the Father. Uh, well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, and that's basically heresy. I mean, if you're saying things like that, that's very her- uh, heretical. And, of course, we're not going to say that. Uh, and and in, th- in this case, here, when he said that, uh, that he destroyed him, uh, he really... Uh, well, let's read verse 15 too. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Uh, and so uh, here uh, he destroyed the authority of the devil. And, and eventually he will destroy the devil himself, right? Uh, and so he said when he destroyed him that had the power of death or the, the dominion of death, then um, uh, he's clearly talking about the devil because the devil is one who brought death into the, into the earth through the, through the temptation of Adam. Uh, and, and so, uh, as of right now, uh, he has destroyed the spiritual death uh, that comes upon men, and men can overcome that by accepting the Lord Jesus and remove this, the uh, spiritual death, uh, and uh, at some point, he will destroy death in all of its aspects, right? So there's spiritual death and there's physical death, and he's dealt with spiritual death right now, and all you have to do to overcome spiritual death is to receive the Lord Jesus, and at some point... Uh, not today, not tomorrow, but some point, he will destroy death in the natural realm too. We will get glorified bodies that are no longer subject to physical death. Uh, and so he came to destroy that. Jesus came to destroy him that had the, the dominion of death. Uh, and so you know, all, all sickness uh, left unchecked, like we said earlier, will result in death, right? Every germ, every virus, if, if you are uh, deficient in your immune system, uh, then a simple germ, the simplest germ, would kill you because it would continue to multiply and feed off, uh, off the uh, life of your body uh, and, and consume your entire uh, body. But uh, as a normal process, your body sees that germ and it attacks it. And, and 99% of the time, it's perfectly sufficient and able to do that. Uh, and then sometimes, uh, and you don't even know it, right? How many, have you counted germs that you've killed lately in your body? Anybody keeping track of that? One, two, three... No, nobody's keeping track of that. You cut your finger, right? Germs get in there, and you go wash it, uh, and, and then you know it gets uh, 
uh, it, it gets, uh, uh, gets a scab on it. And, uh, you know, I'm not a medical person, but I asked a nurse one time because uh, I had a cut somewhere. I said, why does it turn? You ever notice when I cut, when it's healing, it turns kind of red around that cut? Uh, and I said, what, what is that? Why does it turn red and why is it a little sensitive there? She said, well, it's red because there's actually an infection right there and your body is fighting that infection at that local cut uh, there. Uh, now, that's what she told me. I, I'm assuming it's right, unless she just lied to me. I don't know why she lied to me, right? But, um, uh, and so, but that infection, you can see it, right? And it, that little red spot gets smaller and smaller every day until the, 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 uh, the scab is completely gone uh, and, uh, and then you're perfectly healed. But in that moment, you have an infection, a localized infection. Now, uh, some people's bodies are unable to resist that and that infection will spread even from a simple cut it'll spread to, the, to their entire body and they need medicine you know penicillin or some type of uh, uh, antibiotic to overcome to help to assist their body to overcome that uh, but naturally speaking nine times out of ten your body is perfectly capable of doing these things and you don't even know it right uh, you are unaware of these things going on uh, and so so God steps in uh, and uh, and he will provide you the assistance you need when your body's not able to to take care of yourself, and you really don't have to wait. You know, you can believe God anytime, right? You don't have to wait till, well, Lord, I, my body's not doing everything it should be doing, so I need some help here. Um, you can let the Lord help you at any time, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, Jesus came to destroy him that had the dominion of death, and so the the devil's dominion of death, uh, as far as right now, spiritual death has been broken. Any man who doesn't want to die spiritually or remain dead spiritually can, can change today. Amen? Uh, and, and it doesn't matter if the devil wants them to stay dead. If the devil doesn't want them to stay dead, the, the devil's desires have got nothing to do with, with uh, a man desiring to accept the Lord Jesus. They, no matter what the devil wants to do or doesn't want to do, this has no relevance because Jesus broke that power. So a man is free to go and accept the Lord Jesus anytime they want to. Uh, and so... So that's what Jesus came to do. Uh, and um, uh, give me just a minute because we've got one more verse. You know, I, I don't want to just leave us hanging there because uh, it, it's the same, same topic here. And this is in First John chapter 3. It says uh, in verse 8 that uh, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, but, he, but he, for his seed remaineth in him. Uh, let's see, is that, is that right? Is that, that doesn't seem right. Um, that's not right. Um, uh, let's see. It's the verse that says that. Uh, um, well, I don't know why it's in writing my notes there. First John three eight. First John three. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I was reading uh, verse nine. Something's not right somewhere. Um, and so, uh, what's not right is I'm not reading the right verse. How's that? Uh, verse eight says, "He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy." the works of the devil. Uh, and so what are the works of the devil? What did Jesus, what was a major part of the ministry of Jesus? Healing, right? It wasn't the only part, but it was a major part of the, of the healing of Jesus, but also to recovering uh, of people back into the, the, um, uh, the covenant of God. Uh, and he left the born again experience to the church that, that the church would go and continue the work uh, that Jesus began in the gospels. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested or made, uh, made visible that he might destroy the works of the devil. So whatever Jesus did, he was destroying the works of the devil. So if he, Jesus was healing, then what, is that, then what would that be? 
that'd be a work of the devil. If sickness, if he was healing people and he was destroying the works of the devil, then clearly sickness is a work of the devil. And yet, uh, again, how many times have you heard people say sickness is a work of God? Sometimes, sometimes God just puts sickness on you to teach you patience, right? He puts pneumonia on you to put you in bed to teach you patience. Is that how God operates? You know, he could just teach you patience, right? Hey, dummy, you know, be patient next time. Uh, and, and, you know, he doesn't have to use sickness and disease to do that. He can just tell you from the word and by his spirit, hey, here's, here's where you're uh, falling down on your job. Uh, do better. Amen. And yet people, uh, but the, the, the crazy thing to me is people who even believe that, which, uh, you know, it, it's sad to me as, as a student of the word of God to hear people say that sometimes God wants you to be sick, to teach you things. And that very person will, as soon as they get sick, where will they go? They'll go to a doctor, right? They'll go to a pharmacist. They'll go to a nurse. Give me drugs, right? Give me medication. For five seconds before, you say, God was putting this on you to teach you something. Why are you being so rebellious to trying to get out from what God is trying to teach you, right? If he's putting sickness on you to teach you, why are you trying to thwart God's plan by getting out of the sickness, oh, rebellious one? And yet, so their, their, their doctrine doesn't even make any sense, right? It's not consistent. Uh, God desires to heal you every single time without, without, uh, 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 w- without any exceptions is consistent throughout the word of God uh, because we saw that in Acts 10.38 we saw that in Hebrews 2.14 we saw that in 1 John 3.8 that uh, he is going to destroy the works of the devil is that pretty consistent? are we making anything up? are we pulling things out of context? well that's not what it says I mean it's pretty simple that's what it says right? and it, it, is it, does it say it in such a way that it's consistent through through all of these things, right? We, went, we read three different authors, right? The book of Acts was written by uh, Luke, right? First uh, John was written by John the Apostle, and Hebrews, you know, I believe was written by Paul. Three different authors speaking from three different time frames. Actually, Acts 10.38 is a quote from Peter written by Luke, right? So now you've got four people involved in this witness, and they're all saying the same thing. The works of the devil are sickness and disease. Not, that's not the only work of the devil, but that's a big part of the work of the devil. And God came to destroy it. Uh, and so that should give us hope, amen? So if there's ever any sickness in your life, you should, first of all, think, number one, came from the devil. Number two, God wants to destroy that. Number three, I have a right to healing. Uh, and get settled in your heart that way, and you'll start seeing healing being manifested more in your life, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for the word of God, and Father, we thank you for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that, that you were kind enough to come to the earth Uh, and that you allowed yourself to be anointed by the Holy Spirit uh, and to do good, to show us what good was, Father. And you showed us by by your action that good was destroying uh, the oppression of the devil in people's lives. That's a good thing, Father. Sickness and disease was a big uh, part of the oppression of the devil in people's lives. And you said you came to destroy it. And you said that you had to die to fully destroy it. And so, Father, we thank you that you were willing to sacrifice in order to, to destroy all of the works of the devil. And so we thank you for that, Father. We choose to believe that it's your will and plan and desire to heal us every single time without exception. We give you the praise and the honor for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Praise God. Well, um, the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, And so um, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And so don't forget, today is, uh, what is today? The third, right? Today's the third. And um, um, two weeks from now, will be the 17th, and we're going to have our get-together uh, for the church. 
right after church um, for the uh, Christmas party where we exchanged the gifts there. Uh, and um, uh, and uh, we will not have healing school on that Sunday, two weeks from now, or the Sunday of uh, Christmas Eve, which is three weeks from now. And so we'll have it. We will have our next one. Uh, we'll have next week. And then after that, it'll be on uh, New Year's Eve. Amen. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. And um, that's pretty, pretty amazing. We're starting our 10th year of healing class on, on, um, in January, right? 10 years. <clears throat> and there's no end in sight. I mean, we could do this forever, right? We exhausted all there is to know about healing. Uh, you know, I don't think we've ever read uh, 1 John 5.14 in, in relation to, or 1 John um, 3.8 <clears throat> in relation to uh, healing. Or uh, Hebrews, right? Uh, the scripture there in Hebrews. Uh, so, because you can pull, pull, pull a lot of scriptures into the, the doctrine of healing because it's all about faith and the goodness of God. Amen. All right. Praise God. We'll be blessed and um, you're dismissed.